Welcome to Daily Audio Bible Chronological. I'm Jill. Today's the 23rd day of January. Welcome, everybody. It's so good to be here with you. We have turned the page in the story of our lives, and we have turned the page in the story of the Word of God, and it lands us right where we left off yesterday. We're picking up Genesis chapters 32, 33, and 34 today. So glad that you're here and making the Bible a part of your daily rhythm. This week we're reading the Common English Bible, Genesis chapter 32. Jacob went on his way and God's messengers approached him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp. And he named that sacred place Mahanaim. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau toward the land of Seir, the open country of Edom. He gave them these orders. Say this to my master Esau. This is the message of your servant Jacob. I've lived as an immigrant with Laban, where I've stayed till now. I own cattle, donkeys, flocks, men servants, and women servants. I'm sending this message to my master now to ask that he be kind. The messenger returned to Jacob and said, We went out to your brother Esau, and he's coming to meet you with 400 men. Jacob was terrified and felt trapped, so he divided the people with him and the flocks, cattle, and camels into two camps. He thought, if Esau meets the first camp and attacks it, at least one camp will be left to escape. Jacob said, Lord, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives, and I'll make sure things go well for you. I don't deserve how loyal and truthful you've been to your servant. I went away across the Jordan with just my staff, but now I've become two camps. Save me from my brother Esau. I'm afraid he will come and kill me, the mothers and their children. You were the one who told me, I will make sure things go well for you, and I will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, so many you won't be able to count them. Jacob spent the night there. From what he had acquired, he set aside a gift for his brother Esau, 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 nursing camels with their young, 40 cows and 10 bulls, and 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. He separated these herds and gave them to his servants. He said to them, Go ahead of me and put some distance between each of the herds. He ordered the first group, when my brother Esau meets you and asks you, Who are with you? Where are you going? And whose herds are these in front of you? Say, They are your servant Jacob's, a gift sent to my master Esau. And Jacob is actually right behind us. He also ordered the second group, the third group, and everybody following the herds, Say exactly the same thing to Esau when you find him. Say also, Your servant Jacob is right behind us. Jacob thought, I may be able to pacify Esau with the gift I'm sending ahead. When I meet him, perhaps he will be kind to me. So Jacob sent the gift ahead of him, but he spent that night in the camp. Jacob got up during the night, took his two wives, his two women servants, and his eleven sons and crossed the Jabbok River's shallow water. He took them and everything that belonged to him, and he helped them cross the river. But Jacob stayed apart by himself, and a man wrestled with him until dawn broke. 
When the man saw that he couldn't defeat Jacob, he grabbed Jacob's thigh and tore a muscle in Jacob's thigh as he wrestled with him. The man said, Let me go, because the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. He said to Jacob, What's your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name won't be Jacob any longer, but Israel, because you struggled with God and with men and won. Jacob also asked and said, Tell me your name. But he said, Why do you ask for my name? And he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, because I've seen God face to face, and my life has been saved. The sun rose as Jacob passed Peniel, limping because of his thigh. Therefore, Israelites don't eat the tendon attached to the thigh muscle to this day, because he grabbed Jacob's thigh muscle at the tendon. Jacob looked up and saw Esau approaching with 400 men. Jacob divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two women servants. He put the servants and their children first, Leah and her children after them, and Rachel and Joseph last. He himself went in front of them and bowed to the ground seven times as he was approaching his brother. But Esau ran to meet him, threw his arms around his neck, kissed him, and they wept. Esau looked up and saw the women and children and said, Who are these with you? Jacob said, The children that God generously gave your servant. The women's servants and their children came forward and bowed down. Then Leah and her servants also came forward and bowed, and afterward Joseph and Rachel came forward and bowed. Esau said, What's the meaning of this entire group of animals that I met? Jacob said, to ask for my master's kindness. Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what's yours, Jacob said. No, please, do me this kindness of accepting my gift. Seeing your face is like seeing God's face, since you've accepted me so warmly. Take this present that I've brought, because God has been generous to me, and I have everything I need. So Jacob persuaded him, and he took it. Esau said, Let's break camp and set out, and I'll go with you. But Jacob said to him, My master knows that the children aren't strong and that I am responsible for the nursing flocks and cattle. If I push them hard for even one day, all the flocks will die. My master, go on ahead of your servant, but I've got to take it easy, going only as fast as the animals in front of me and the children are able to go until I meet you in Seir. Esau said, Let me leave some of my people with you. But Jacob said, Why should you do this since my master has already been so kind to me? That day Esau returned on the road to Seir. But Jacob traveled to Sukkoth. He built a house for himself but made temporary shelters for his animals. Therefore, he named the place Sukkoth. Jacob arrived safely at the city of Shechem in the land of Canaan on his trip from Padan Aram, and he camped in front of the city. He bought the section of the field where he pitched his tent from the sons of Hamar, Shechem's father, for 100 kesetas. Then he set up an altar there and named it El Eloh, Israel. Dinah, the daughter whom Leah had borne to Jacob, went out to meet the women of that country. When Shechem, the son of the Hivite, Hamor, and the country's prince saw her, he took her, slept with her, and humiliated her. He was drawn to Dinah, Jacob's daughter. He loved the young woman and tried to win her heart. 
Shechem said to his father, Hamor, Get this girl for me as my wife. Now Jacob heard that Shechem defiled his daughter, Dinah. But his sons were with the animals in the countryside, so he decided to keep quiet until they got back. Meanwhile, Hamar, Shechem's father, went out to Jacob to speak with him. Just then, Jacob's sons got back from the countryside. When they heard what had happened, they were deeply offended and very angry because Shechem had disgraced Israel by sleeping with Jacob's daughter. Such things are simply not done. Hamar said to them, My son Shechem's heart is set on your daughter. Please let him marry her. Arrange marriages with us. Give us your daughters and take our daughters for yourselves. Live with us. The land is available to you. Settle down, travel through it, and buy property in it. Shechem said to Dinah's father and brothers, If you approve of me, tell me what you want, and I will give it to you. Make the bride price and marriage gifts as large as you like, and I will pay whatever you tell me. Then let me marry the young woman. Jacob's sons responded deviously to Shechem and his father Hamor, because Shechem defiled their sister Dinah. They said to them, We can't do this, allowing our sisters to marry uncircumcised men, because it's disgraceful to us. We can only agree to do this if you circumcise every male as we do. Then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters for ourselves. We will live with you and be one people, but if you don't listen to us and become circumcised, we will take our daughter and leave. Their idea seemed like a good one to Hamor and Hamor's son Shechem. The young man didn't waste any time doing this because he liked Jacob's daughter so much. He was more respected than anyone else in his father's household. Hamor and his son Shechem went to their city's gate and spoke to the men of their city. These men want peace with us. Let them live in the land and travel through it. There's plenty of land for them. We will marry their daughters and give them our daughters. But the men will agree to live with us and become one people only if we circumcise every male just as they do. Their livestock, their property, and all of their animals, won't they be ours? Let's agree with them and let them live with us. Everyone at the city gate agreed with Hamor and his son Shechem. So every able-bodied male in the city was circumcised. On the third day, when they were still in pain, Two of Jacob's sons and Dinah's brothers, Simeon and Levi, took their swords, came into the city which suspected nothing, and killed every male. They killed Hamar and his son Shechem with their swords, took Dinah from Shechem's household, and left. When Jacob's other sons discovered the dead, they looted the city that had defiled their sister. They took their flocks, their cattle, and their donkeys, whether in the city or in the fields nearby. They carried off their property, their children, and their wives. They looted the entire place. Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You've put me in danger by making me offensive to those who live here in the land, to the Canaanites and the Perizzites. I have only a few men. They may join forces, attack me, and destroy me and my household. They said, but didn't he treat our sister like a prostitute? Lots of things happening in today's reading that are worth mentioning. We go back a few days ago. We know that Jacob and Esau fought with one another within their mother's womb. 
and God gives reason for this. Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided, and one shall be stronger than the other. Is this really God's plan for there to be division? Well, um, that is what we read. That is what scripture says. Uh, Two nations born together at the same time, and we know the consequences of Jacob then stealing Esau's birthright and then his blessing from his father at the end of his father's life. So time apart, and then they come together as they were instructed. I'll argue this. It's worth noting that stealing the birthright at the beginning of one's life and stealing the blessing of a father in this culture at the end of the father's life is pretty significant. If you stop and think the things that we fight over (laughs) as family, as brother to brother, brothers and sisters, brothers to just name the family member and name the grievance. And sometimes it's a lifetime of separation and fighting and arguing and bickering and petty childish behavior where grudges are kept and forgiveness is withheld and amends never get made. This is not the case. We see a period of time that Jacob needed to stay away until his brother would no longer be angry with him. And then we see this reconciliation today, which is a beautiful thing. We then see Jacob wrestling with God. And during this time, in this period, God renames Jacob to Israel. If you are new here, you will want to note and recognize that Jacob becomes Israel and his sons then are going to be the 12 tribes of Israel. This is quite significant in the story going forward. So you might want to grasp that and hold on to it for a little bit. And then finally, we end today with the story of Dinah and the unfortunate and grotesque story of abuse. And then we just sort of see the story unfold where the brothers decide that uh, they're going to get the men circumcised in this city and then they are going to overtake the city and they do so in their own sense of revenge. And I think I love the line, their idea seemed like a good one to Hamor and Hamor's son Shechem. If you can sell the idea, and even as we're reading the story, it's like, hey, it's not a half bad idea. God introduces the concept of circumcision and Dinah's brothers suggest it. They think it's a good idea. And then as the story goes, as the men are recovering from circumcision, they take the lives of every male in this city. They loot the sister, 
They take what is not theirs on behalf of the injustice done upon their sister. And then we hear the words from Jacob to his son Simeon and Levi, you've put me in danger by making me offensive to those who live here in the land. To the Canaanites and the Perizzites, I have only a few men. They may join forces, attack me and destroy me and my household. We see the act of revenge and then the fear produced by an even greater act of revenge. The response from the sons is very telling. They said, but didn't he treat our sister like a prostitute? Maybe a noble act on behalf of the brothers defending their sister and and maybe some of us as sisters can't even fathom such an act of protection, justice, or revenge. We oftentimes mistake revenge as a form of justice. Justice is punishment for the crime served. Revenge is you will pay beyond the crime. And as we see the fear that this produces in Jacob for what the future of their actions could potentially bring, and it's a fair fear, if you ask me, uh, the retaliation that could potentially happen when he has but a small army of men. It leads me back to the statement I made moments ago. It seemed like a good idea. How many of us react rather than respond? Reacting so many times without thinking produces an overreaction or uh, an incorrect action where if we just stop, if we assess the situation, we can form maybe a more logical, rational response when we don't let emotion overtake our thoughts, we often will respond in emotion rather than in contemplation. And so we're going to pause here for today and we are going to turn the page and see how this story starts to take shape. And we're going to just recognize and honor our sisters that are here amongst us in this community that never dealt with the former traumas of their own lives that this particular story may bring things up, a reaction, uh, a trauma response. And we're just going to sit with them in these moments in their pain. So Jesus, thank you for meeting us here. Your word can be disruptive. It can be uncomfortable. And it can even be potentially triggering for many that have never dealt with the wounds, with the traumas of sometimes a lifetime ago. The pain of life, the ache of situations that were far out of 
grasp or reach. And I pray for the woman or the man who has suffered in silence, that has felt the shame of things that were not their fault. I pray for those that have shared and were not believed because people did not know what to do or how to handle the situation. And I pray that as pain and anger may come up, that every person would know that it's okay to sit with whatever that they're feeling and instead of reach for revenge, instead of reach for retaliation, that they would first grasp for healing and wholeness within their own selves. And it's healing and wholeness that only you can bring. Heal the ache, take away the sting. And I pray that healing balm and salve that only you can give would be applied to every wound, every heartache, every action, every injustice, and we would allow you to be God and not take matters into our own hands. But we lay that which is out of our control at your feet and give you permission to do what it is that you long to do in our hearts, in our lives, and in those that have inflicted such pain. Have your way. I pray this now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We'll turn the page together and see how the story continues. And we sit just in these next few moments with those that need healing that only Jesus can bring. So my hope is that you feel our presence despite our silence. I'm Jill. We'll turn the page together tomorrow. Until then, love one another. Hey, my delightful dab C fam. This is Kingdom Seeker Daniel. Family, I realized that I had not come back to say thank you to those of you that I heard call in to pray for D2. So I just wanted to recognize you guys. Tanya from Suffolk, uh, Carrie, a.k.a. Jesus Girl, Sheena from Saskatchewan. Hey, y'all. Hey, Simone from Texas, praying God will heal and strengthen and comfort and guide you, my sister. Renee, his redeemed daughter, Diana from Florida, just glad to be in NC. Cynthia from upstate New York and Pamela resting in the Lord in Pennsylvania. And to all of you that have prayed or may be praying for D2 in the background, thank you so very much. I just want to uh, welcome a new brother in the vine from Indiana. Welcome, bro. We got plenty of room for you, man. So glad you made it here. And finally, I just want to lift up baby Genesis and mom Ashley concerning um, baby Genesis need. Lord, we lift up this precious little one, baby Genesis. God, she needs to be able to walk and to talk and to eat completely. Father, in a way that will not just meet the, the norm or the standard, God, but we're asking 
that she would excel in all of these areas, that her walking would exceed the expectations of doctors and mom, her talking and her eating and all of the other things that pertain to her health. She would be strengthened and made whole to the glory of your great name. In Jesus name. Amen. I love you so much, family. Appreciate you. Dearest Papa, hello. Today we are lifting up our dear friend, 1B, um, who is relatively new to us. She's only been with us for about a year. Um, she's got a couple of things going on. Um, her friend, Nikisha, um, has, needs for healing restoration for of her healing, I mean, of her body and her mind. Um, so please take care of that, Lord. You know what she needs. And her, the man that she broke up with needs you and needs to um, hear about you and know you. So please call him back to you. Um, however it is that you would do that, maybe put somebody in his life who can walk alongside him and guide him back to you. That's what you're doing for my son, Mark, and it works so well. Plus, I mean, it's not there yet, but it's working and it does take time. So, but please, please be with her, her former, her ex. And please be with her too. She's had a hard year um, that resulted in a suicide attempt. And um, we know that that's not your will. Um, for that, for her to lose hope that badly. So please give her hope. Please be with her every day. Please be so closely palpable in her life that she trips over you when she gets up to go to the bathroom or walks into the kitchen to get a glass of water. You're there in the refrigerator. And please just be right there saying, woohoo, look, 1B, I'm right here. I'm right here. I love you. I love you. I love you. Don't let go. I'm here, I'm walking with you. I will tell you what I want. I will tell you what I need. Just be still and listen for me. And don't don't adventure too far out trying to make your own decisions without my input. So please, one B, we love you dearly. Welcome to the welcome to the group. Please let us know how it's going. This is your friend Adrian, his mighty tortoise.